We've looked so far at this idea of living like we believe it um, with resurrection, uh, what we believe about God, uh, what we believe about uh, his salvation he offers to us, about his word, about love. Um, And so today we're going to be focusing on discipleship and what does that mean to each of us? Um, What we need to remember, first of all, is I know... Can we hear? Can you hear me? Uh, A disciple is someone that's learning. And so I know sometimes when we talk about discipleship, uh, we can kind of forget the idea that the main thing about discipleship is that we are learning. That That we have a master, a teacher, that's teaching us. You know, Jesus wasn't the only one with disciples. The Pharisees had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. Rabbis in that time had disciples. And we are called into, if we choose to trust Jesus with our life, we are called into a lifelong discipleship of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we think about, well, you know, there's Jesus had his 12 disciples, and yes, he did. But he called more than just 12 to be followers. There was 12 that chose that he chose and that, that he that went with him from place to place. And actually, I just want to to show you really quick in, in Mark uh, three verses twelve to fifteen about these these disciples. It says that Jesus went up on the mountainside and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed the twelve and they that they might be with him, and that they might send he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. So these disciples, the, the 12 that Jesus called to him, they, there's, they listed the names here, but these 12 were the disciples that were with Jesus in this about three-year ministry of, before Jesus uh, died for our sins. But there was a lot more than just 12 disciples. There were many, many disciples. And Jesus called and he calls all of us to be learners of him, to be followers of him, not just to know Jesus and, and then hopefully be in heaven with him someday. No, it's a lifelong learning from a master, and Jesus is our master. Now, what it says about discipleship in our um, confession of faith and from a Mennonite perspective this is the perspective that we use. This is the confession we use, not, here, not just at East Bend, but also for our network, Ivana Network. And it says this in Article 17. It says, We believe that Jesus Christ calls us to take up our cross and follow him. It should be on the screen. Oh, there we go. Okay, um, and through the gift of God's saving grace, we are empowered to be disciples of Jesus filled with his spirit, following his teachings, and his path through suffering to a new life. So first of all, we believe that disciples, true disciples of Jesus, are following Jesus wholeheartedly, with all of our hearts, not just a piece of our life. And so today, our first point that we want to know out of this is that true disciples are following Jesus wholeheartedly. And that means fully surrendered to Jesus. Fully surrendered to Him that we're not just going in part way. 
But when, when Jesus calls us, when we accept His invitation to be followers of Him, that we are all in. That means that we're submitting to Him in all areas of our life. We're giving Him control. It's more than just a belief. It's more than just some, some head knowledge, but it's, it's living with our hearts. And He says that we, we are to take up our cross. It says in Luke 9.23, Jesus called them all together. And, and this all isn't just the 12 disciples. He's talking, he was talking to a crowd here. And Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits his very soul? So this is a very opposite way of thinking. If you want to save your life, usually you try to figure out ways to do that. But Jesus said we have to lose our life in order to save it. He said we have to take up our cross. I mean, we take up our cross. I mean, that's that's an image of death. Why would we want to die? To follow Jesus, we have to die? Jesus wants us to be all in on following Him. He doesn't want us to have just a little bit of following Jesus and then the rest of the time we're kind of doing other things. He wants us to be all in. He wants us if it means that we die, it does mean we die to ourself. We die to what we want to do and say, Master, whatever you want, however you want to teach me, is what I'm learning. Whatever, I'm, whatever you want is what I will do. You know, our culture is really seeing a lot of value in, in this idea of mentoring, in this idea of Someone being a master or, well, let's just say a coach. I mean, if you think about it, my favorite team, the Colts, they're, they're going through a, a coaching search right now. And they've interviewed over a dozen prospects. And they are taking their time to find out who is going to be the right coach. Who is going to be the right person that's going to lead these players. And one of the things I keep hearing over and over again in this search is they said, we're trying to find a leader of men. We're trying to find someone that's going to motivate these guys to play their best. We're going to not just to motivate them, but to teach them how to play, to do their best. You know, the Broncos spent a lot of, a lot of money, and a lot of draft picks too. I mean, they just made a trade to get a coach. We, we see, and not just in football, but in basketball, in many sports, the coach or the manager, someone who's in charge, is making a lot of money. And why is that value going to them? That value is going to them because they are in a leadership position where people are going to listen to them, hopefully. <laughs> now, just because you have a good master doesn't mean or a good coach doesn't mean that people, the players maybe, are going to obey and follow. But can you imagine, for example, the Broncos spending all this money on a coach? 
They spent all these draft picks to get him. And then the players are like, yeah, we're going to do whatever we want. Maybe they won't say it like that, but they just kind of do whatever they want. Like, yeah, you can, you can kind of be in charge, but we're just going to do what we want to do. That's, a, that's not what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus calls us to be all in, not be half-hearted. He wants us to give everything, to take up our cross and follow after him. So do we, do we live like this? Are we living like we believe this? That, we, that Jesus wants us to be all in, fully surrendered to him? Or are we being half-hearted in our following of Jesus? Are we learning his ways? Are we opening his word? Or maybe just when we remember or we have the time. Do, do we pray by telling our master, Jesus, what we want him to do? Or are we abiding with him, enjoying him, like we heard last week, delighting in him and in his word, listening to what the master says and be obedient to him? I hope it's that second one. (laughs) But it's not to make anyone feel guilty if that's not. But the the invitation from Jesus is to, to come. Come, be my follower. Learn from me. Abide in me. Because his life, his word, what he wants is going to lead us to the path of life. Now, it also says in this confession, it says, as by faith we walk in Christ's way. And we are being transformed into his image. We have become comforted to Christ, faithful to the will of God, and separated from the evil of the world. So, following Jesus is very different than following the world. The world is all about pursuing what makes you feel happy. Whatever you want, whatever I want, have it your way. Through materialism, just you, i got to get the newest stuff, the best stuff. Maybe it's even through what we put in our bodies. Maybe it's through, and it, not maybe, in, in the world, it is about relationships and especially sex outside of marriage. There's a lot of things that the world is saying, this is good, do what you want. But Jesus, following Jesus, is very different than the way of the world. And so our second point today is that we follow Jesus exclusively, unlike the ways of the world. We follow what Jesus says. What Dwayne mentioned earlier is that we obey what Jesus says. We don't just listen to what Jesus says, but we then obey it. Obey Him and His Word. So in order to obey what Jesus said, we have to know what He said. We have to be listening to the Master. We have to be opening His Word. We have to be in prayer. Not because we have to, but because we get to. Conformity to Christ 
necessarily implies non-conformity to the world, it also says in this confession. So we are to be in Christ. Paul writes this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Holy and pleasing not to ourself, holy and pleasing to God. And Paul says, this is your true and proper worship. The way that we offer our bodies to God. The way that we are the way that we are doing this, living a holy life and pleasing to God. And it says in verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we catch this, that we are not supposed to be doing whatever the world's doing. The way of the world is not the way of Jesus. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ, and I hope that you all are, then we need to not conform to the whatever the world is doing. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, His invitation is simple. Come to Me. Accept My love. Accept My forgiveness of sins. And be in My family. Be a, My child. There's a commentary in this uh, Confession of Faith that says, Christians are called to be separate from the, from the evil in the world. Our nonconformity does not mean that we withdraw from all contact with those outside the church. Rather, our way of thinking is changed. We should avoid sinful behavior and participation in groups that promote sin. We are able to be nonconformed to to evil when we are conformed to Christ and willing to let the Holy Spirit transform us into the image of Christ. So it's not just that we say, hey, we're going to be away from the world, we're going to be separate, we're going to be not in the world, like the Amish. But we are supposed to change our thinking. Our thinking has changed Paul says that we're, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. The way that our mind is changed, it's not because it's just, oh, I, I want to think this way, or, or I, I shouldn't do bad things, I shouldn't sin. No, it's how do you renew your mind? We renew our mind by finding the source of truth. Finding the source of joy. We renew our mind by opening God's Word and by saying, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to think, whatever you want me to teach you about yourself, do it. I'm all ears. I'm all in. And I'm surrendering to you. And I'm exclusively following you, Jesus. Even though the world is screaming around me about all these other ways that I should be happy or that I could, could find joy, those are all counterfeit to finding joy in Jesus. So, that coach that is getting paid a lot of money, if he doesn't have his players listening to him, if the players aren't performing, he's not a very good coach. But really, maybe you could say, it's not just that he's not a good coach, maybe it's that the players 
they just want to do their own thing. But ultimately, it comes down to it's, that coach is going to get fired. I hear a lot in, in sports, they say, this coach has lost the locker room. Have you guys heard that? This coach has lost the locker room. All right, some of you guys that pay attention to sports. They lost the locker room. That means they don't have the influence anymore. That means that they're, what they're saying and what they're trying to promote and what they're teaching, the team just doesn't care anymore. Let's not be like that. As, as followers of our master, Jesus, let's not just think, oh, we, there's better ways to do life. There's, I mean, it's more exciting if I go do this on the weekends. It's more, I find more excitement or joy if I do this or this. Jesus is the only way to life, to true life, to abundant life. And the way of Jesus brings us this eternal life. But the way of the world leads to death. So are we living like we believe this? Are we living like we believe that Jesus is the only one we follow? It doesn't mean we are separate, completely set aside against the world, but we, but we are unlike the world because, we are, because Jesus is unlike the world. So let's exclusively follow our Master, Jesus. Another part of the confession of faith says that our faithfulness to Christ is lived out in loving life and witness of the church family, which is to be a separate people, holy to God. It also says that Discipleship, in the commentary it says that discipleship is to be lived out in the context of a Christian community. As individuals, we are called to follow Jesus. And as the church community is also called to a life of discipleship. So, what are we believing about this? We believe that true followers, true disciples of Jesus Christ, are following Jesus jointly that we are growing with other disciples, that we together are following Jesus. That, that I'm not doing my own individual thing over here, and you're not doing your own individual thing over there, and, and each of us kind of do our own individual things. No, we are growing as disciples. We are growing together. We are in community. And that's a big reason why we meet, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. We meet together. We are investing in each other's lives so that we can grow together, so that we can grow closer to Jesus together, not just individually. I know in our country we are very individualistic. We like to not think about groups. We like to think of people more, or about ourselves more than a group of people. That doesn't mean that we all do that, but in our culture we do that more than some of the other cultures. But we are called to follow Jesus, not just individually, but on a community level. A, a community of followers, a community of people that have chosen to say yes to Jesus. Say, I, I've accepted Jesus' salvation, but it's not, it doesn't just stop there. The way we live, the way we follow Jesus, we're going to help each other. We're going to show other people who Jesus is. It also says in this commentary that 
in the congregation, discipleship is also closely connected with discipline and mutual care. Christ's disciples together learn how to follow Christ more nearly in their love for each other and in their accountability to each other. We need to be accountable to each other. If we just are trying to do our own thing all the time, we are going to be off in sin. We're not going to follow Jesus wholeheartedly all the time. In fact, we need Jesus every day. We need the renewing of our mind every day, Paul says. But when we do this individually, when we're a lone ranger Christian, it doesn't always work out so well. We need a tanto. Right, tanto? We need people that can give us accountability. We need people that are going to help us grow together. Just like a team. If they're, they're listening to their coach, but they are also going to be growing as a team. Or they're not going to be listening to their coach, and they're not going to be growing as a team. There's lots of examples of that. <laughs> Unfortunately, some of our favorite teams. <clears throat> the Colts and Bears both have high draft picks. So, so but they're, they're working on it. Okay. It says in Colossians 1, Paul writes this to the Colossian church. He, he writes a prayer. He says, We are continually asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will, with all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of, of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruits in every good work growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so Paul is saying here he wants he's praying that this church would grow he's praying that this church would be following the master Jesus but not just following Jesus following Jesus together. And they would be growing, not just in their knowledge, but they'd be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need each part of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And Paul here, he isn't just saying you to one person. He's saying you. I know in in the South... My wife grew up saying, y'all. She says it sometimes, especially when her parents are around. But, but not all the time. But Paul, if, if this was in, if this, we don't, in the, most of the north or whatever, we don't say you all so much. We say you. We just say you. It's a, it's a singular thing. But Paul is saying you all. Now, it's not translated like that because it's, it's kind of weird to say you all. Or at least in the north. <laughs> But he's saying, he's not just talking to one person. He's not saying you. And a lot of times we, we read our Bible and we see, see the word you and we're like, oh, that's me. It actually isn't me. It's actually meant for a group of people. Which we, a lot of times it's, it can be applied to us. But here he's saying we need to be bearing fruit as a community. Bearing fruit in every good work. And we're growing in the way that we follow our master Jesus. So are we living like we believe this? Are we living like it's really important to follow Jesus? It's really important to follow Jesus only, not in the way of the world. It's really important to, to follow Jesus 
in the context of with other followers, other disciples of Jesus? Are we valuing meeting together? Are we valuing being invested in each other's lives? To be holding each other accountable? Or are we saying, oh, uh, that's your life, I'm not going to get involved. Uh, if you want to do those things, I'm not going to offend you. Because it's hard. You have to have a relationship with someone to be able to call them out on something. But we are called to do that in a loving way. We are called as believers to hold each other accountable, to help each other, to help each other grow closer to Jesus. And I'm going to ask, ask us each, am, am I growing with other disciples of Jesus? Am I helping other disciples to learn and to live out their faith? How can I be intentional in discipling others? You know, I, I know we have some kids here downstairs, and I know we have different opportunities to be involved in discipling kids, to be, in, to be mentoring our youth. But it's not just about the kids. Yes, the kids are the next generation, but we are all being disciples, so how can we help each other out? How can we be intentional and lead each other in discipling and, fo- and following our Master Jesus? So if you're looking for an opportunity of how you can be involved in discipleship, I want to first encourage you to pray about it. But secondly, ask someone, how can I be involved in discipleship? Uh, Susie Oyer is the person in charge here for discipleship, so you can talk to her. (laughs) She would love that. So are we following Jesus wholeheartedly? Are Are we living out the will of the Master? Are we following Jesus exclusively, being all about the Master? It's very different from the rest of our society. Are we following Jesus jointly? All about Jesus together in a community with other disciples. Teaching and learning and bringing others into the family of God. You know, in the front of the bulletin today, I really like what Angie put on there. It says that discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus, is for life. It's not just for a time. It's for our whole life. It's a a life of worship, a life of community, a life of openness, a life of obeying, a life of service, and a life of sharing, and more, of course. But these things are what we do as followers of Jesus Christ. In all areas of life, we are called to be Jesus' disciples. And not just for a time, it's for life. There's a song I heard this week that, I, that fit this really well. And I, I want, as a response, I encourage you just to take some time as you listen to these lyrics to ask yourself, am I, how am I living like I believe it? And not in a way of feeling guilty, but just in a way of asking the Lord, am I doing this? Am I surrendering all to the Lord? Am I living by His truth and walking in His ways and setting my eyes on the Lord? And if not, that that can be our prayer. So if you would just take a few moments and uh, listen to this song.
whispered in my ear What would I do if they all disappeared? Riches and fame and all that they could buy I've come to find they never satisfy What would I gain if my soul's a prize? I don't want to love what the world loves I don't want to chase what the world does I Thank you that you give us your will, that you give us your presence, 
God, I pray that we would keep the first thing first, that it's not about what we want, but it's about what you want, that we would surrender to you, Jesus, that we would follow you wholeheartedly, that we would follow just you, not the ways of the world, and that we would follow you together in community with other people that love you and trust you, and that our desire would be to walk in your ways, keeping our eyes fixed on you, Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.